at several different scriptures, and we're looking at the subject of being humble. The Christian walk is about being humble. It's about understanding who God is and who we are. Uh, it's more than, you know, a lot of times we'll quote Proverbs sixteen eighteen that says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It, it's more than just the person who every sentence that person, you've met them. They're the subject of every sentence. And you just want to say, shut up. You know, there's that country music song, I just want to talk about me. You know, after a while. and But as you begin to grow in the Lord, you begin to see that there's more to humility than just making sure you're not the subject of every sentence. Humility is deeper than that. And we're going to look at several verses tonight as we talk about humility. But for a scripture reading, I want to look at Matthew 18, verses 1 through 5. So just encourage you to look that up. Matthew 18, and when you find that, to stand in God's honor as I read it aloud. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked... Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. It's when we realize we don't have it that you give it. (laughs) And I pray tonight as we look at your truth that we'd be reminded again about the true spirit of Jesus Christ and how that spirit is to live within each of us, Lord. So just guide us. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, the interesting thing about humility is it's not something you earn. It's not something you seek and attain. You know, because about the time you figure out you're humble, you're proud of. And that's the type, you know, that's the type of battle that we fight. I, uh, there's a great story of Harry Ironside, who was the pastor of Moody Bible Church in Chicago, another generation, beloved pastor, and he really struggled with pride. He said, man, I'm always thinking about myself. And Jesus wants me to be humble. And so he talked to a buddy of his, and his friend said, well, Harry, i tell you what to do. Get you one of those sandwich boards. Write some key verses on those sandwich boards about being humble before the Lord, you know, like that Proverbs 16, 18. And, and then, you know, once you paint those or, you know, however on this board, wear the sandwich board and go down the streets of Chicago and yell out those Bible verses. Man, you can't be full of pride and do that. He thought, that sounds like a great idea. So he made the sandwich board, he put it on, and he walked down the streets of Chicago, you know, and, and he yelled out those type of verses about pride. He got back, he was totally exhausted. Went to his office, took off that sandwich board, locked the door, fell down on his couch and said, Whew, 
I survived. And there's not another man in Chicago who would do that. That's the way that pride is. Humility is elusive in that regard. You don't find humility by seeking to be humble. You find humility by seeking Jesus. By longing for Him. And He creates within us that humble heart. Um, It's interesting. uh, You know, He starts out here in Matthew 18. And what are the disciples? What question do they come with? How can I be the greatest? Jesus, how can I be the top dog? How can I be the head guy? (laughs) And then Jesus, He kind of turns the tables. And He basically says, Well, you know, that's not the goal is to be the top guy. The goal is to be like a little child. Who is trusting... And who is willing to follow the dad, the father, the heavenly father. That, you know, that's the real goal. John the Baptist, uh, a great example of this. Um, of course, in Isaiah, there's the prediction of uh, he preparing the way for Jesus. And if you look in the book of Luke, uh, turn me in Luke chapter 3. Is, it describes his ministry. Starting there and. Um, I'll start at verse 3 of Luke 3. This is talking about John. It says, He went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for Him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough way smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. That phrase, every mountain and hill made low, an example of the Greek word of humility, to be of low estate. We all have those mountains that poke out of our personalities. (laughs) Jesus says you need to quit trying to elevate yourself and make yourself low for my sake. And, and that's the picture here, John the Baptist's ministry. Turn, turn me over a, cu- a couple of chapters from Luke 3 to Luke 1. Uh, you know, I thought it was interesting in the message this morning as the angel Gabriel appeared to Daniel to present the prophecy. Well, here we have Gabriel again through Luke chapter 1. Many, many years later as he brings more good news prophecy fulfilled in the one that's coming and and he he comes and he brings word that John the Baptist will appear and then later he foretells the birth of Jesus Christ as well but um we see in Luke description that that he gives of John the Baptist um Let me just start here at uh, verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him and standing right side the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled. He was gripped with fear. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. (laughs) You're to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a light to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit before birth. (laughs) Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers 
to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You know, it's interesting, that phrase we look at here in verse 17, where he says, uh, in the Lord's power and the spirit of Elijah, he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to wisdom and righteousness. And of course, we have that picture of fathers and children being restored together in right relationship to one another. But the actual language, the original language, just uses this phrase, turn hearts of fathers to children. Turn hearts of fathers to children, which we could also translate that God will make our hearts tender to our Father. That we'll become like little children, like Jesus commanded us. To come to Him with honesty, with open hearts. As a child who just honestly trusts his father and is is willing to place his life in his hands. And and that's humility. That's what God calls us to in his church. To come with that kind of heart. You see, in God's understanding, children, we don't grow up. As children, we really grow down. Because we learn to humble ourselves in what we do. That's why he speaks of become like little children if you want to see heaven. Become like little children if you want to walk with me. So let me look at a first point here of humility. Humility is a conviction of sin. Humility is demonstrated in an awareness of our sin. The first beatitude, Matthew 5 verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why are they blessed? Because they realize they need God. You see, before we receive God's blessing, there has to be an understanding, a realization, an awareness that that we need a Savior. That we're sinners. That we're a mess. And that we're broken. Humility is just that awareness that, hey, I'm poor in spirit. I'm poverty in a spiritual sense. Martin Lloyd-Jones he was a guy I used to joke to you guys when I was preaching through Romans. It took him 15 years to get through Romans. So, you know, you got off pretty good. But anyway, here's a quote that he had on this beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. As I have already indicated, it's not surprising this is the first beatitude. Because it is obviously, as I think we shall see, the key. There is beyond any question a very definite order in these Beatitudes. Our Lord does not place them in their respective positions haphazardly or accidentally. There's what we may describe as a spiritual, logical sequence to be found here. This of necessity is the one which must come at the beginning for good reason. There's no entry into the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God apart from it. There's no one in the kingdom of God who is not poor in spirit. It's the fundamental characteristic of the Christian... And of the citizen of the kingdom of heaven and all the other characteristics are in a sense the results of this one. As we go on to expound on it, we shall see it really means an emptying. While the others are a manifestation of a fullness, we cannot be filled until we are first empty. There are always these two sides to the gospel. There's a pulling down and there's a raising up. Thank you. Romans 12, 3, Paul's talking. He says, but I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather with sober judgment 
in accordance to the measure of faith God has given to you. In other words, take a right assessment. You see, humility is not beating yourself down. We go through those stages, don't we? Oh, man, I beat myself to pieces over some things. I deserved a little of it, but not as much as I did, you know. But it's, it's an accurate assessment. It's not seeing yourself too low, but it's seeing God in His glory and that we can come and receive His grace. It's, it's that proper assessment. Do not think yourself more highly than you ought, but sober judgment with a measure of faith that God gives you to see Him clearly as we come to Him. That, that's humility. That's the call. It's measured by our sense of God's greatness and His forgiveness that's graciously given to us. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you did not? All that we have is, is gift. It says every good and perfect gift from above. Coming down from the Father of heaven and lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. James 1, 17. If you have it, God gave it. He's the one who provides. He's the one who gives it to us. And you know where the tension lies is the battle between who we are and what we were. We get hung up on what we were instead of understanding who we are. Are we perfect? No. And if you say you're perfect, all I got to do is ask the person next to you. Doesn't take much to find out. But the truth of the matter is, um, there's that conflict inside of, of what we've done and who we are that goes against, um, or what we've done with who we are. But Christ, He forgives us. He works in our lives. Um, and humility is understanding that grace and how He's forgiven us, but it's also understanding what we were forgiven of. Not trying to take the credit for it and lifting ourselves too high. That's why Jesus said to that one who came to Him that He that's been forgiven little loves little. She loved Him greatly because she understood she's forgiven a lot. To see clearly how we've been forgiven. And that old saying, and I think it comes back from D.L. Moody as he was walking and Saw a guy that was, that was drunk laying on the street. And he said, except for the grace of God, there go I. And, and, you know, we've heard that a lot. And it's so true. All of us have a tendency to think we're better than we are. Or I'd never do that. I want to be careful about what I say. You don't know what's around the corner. God, <laughs> hold me close. Don't let me stray. God, don't let me go there. But I'm not going to brag to you about what I'll never do. I pray that he keeps me close, you know, except for the grace of God, there could go I. Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer, as God was using him in a mighty way, he got more attention than he was comfortable with. Matter of fact, he got so much attention that a lot of the people that followed him were referred to as Lutherans after Martin Luther. And Luther's like, I don't like this. So... (laughs) So here was his response uh, to them. He said, please do not use my name, he wrote. Do not call yourselves Lutherans. Call yourselves Christians. Why should I, a miserable bag of worms, give my meaningless name to Christ's children? Next, uh, not only is humility and awareness of our sin, humility is not destructive. The goal of humility is not just to push you down, And to make you live in the pain. 
The purpose of humility is to get you to the place to where you're ready to receive God's grace and His forgiveness. We can't be too big to receive what He has. We've got to humble ourselves to the one who humbled himself at the cross so we can receive what He wants to give. A.W. Tozer said like this. He said, I've met two classes of Christians. The proud who imagine they're humble and the humble who are afraid to be proud. There should be a third class, the self-forgetful who leave the whole thing in the hands of Christ and refuse to waste any time trying to make themselves good and humble. They'll reach the goal far ahead of the rest of us. Another quote by Frank Crane who defines humility. It's the wish to be great and the dread of being called great. It's the wish to help and the dread of thanks. It's the love of service and the distaste for rule. It's trying to be good and blushing when called at it. (laughs) Blushing when called at it. Third trait. God works in us in a way where there's no longer that pursuit of I have to be better than you. There's a willingness to accept, as they say, second fiddle. You see, humility is not pushing ourselves forward, nor is it pushing ourselves backwards. It's forgetting self and pushing others forward and upward. That's when true humility happens. Great example of this in Scripture is Barnabas. If you remember Barnabas in the book of Acts, his name literally means son of encouragement. And everywhere you see Barnabas, that's what, that's what he did. He encouraged people. He sold his land, he gave the money to the poor and to God's people to advance God's cause. And, and he was constantly encouraging. Matter of fact, it's interesting, I can't remember who, who pointed this out. But as you look in the book of Acts, it actually starts out, it talks about Barnabas. Then it talks about Barnabas and Paul. Then it talks about Paul and Barnabas. And then it talks only about Paul. But I don't think that bothered old Barnabas at all. Because he wasn't in it to get his name on as the subject of every sentence, as we said earlier. He was in it to encourage. Matter of fact, he was the one that brought Paul in when everybody else was shaking in their boots. And not this guy. Are you kidding me? To encourage. And, and, you know, and then, of course, later with John Mark and he got in that argument with Paul. He, he was consistently that one who was seeking to encourage and, and to to, to bring people together. He was a son of encouragement. Truly. That was his heart. Uh, Leonard Bernstein. The famous conductor. Orchestra conductor. He was asked on one occasion. What's the most difficult instrument to play? And, and listen to his response. He said. Second fiddle. I can get plenty of first violinist. But to find one who plays second violin with enthusiasm. Or second French horn. Or second flute. That's a problem. If no one plays second, we have no harmony. That good. It's important to be willing to serve, not so that you'll be seen, but so that we can advance together for Christ. Uh, let me just close with some verses uh, in here in the scriptures. Uh, Matthew twenty three twelve. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. 
So God's way up is the way down. God's way to stand straight is to kneel as we come before him. Uh, Isaiah 57, 15. For this is what the high and lofty one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit. Isn't that great? The one who lives in a high and holy place says, I also live with him and her who is lowly in heart, lowly in spirit. What does he say here? Um, To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. We talk about wanting revival. Boy, here's a key verse, isn't it? If you want revival, he says, um, be a spirit that's a lowly spirit and a heart that's contrite. Because that's where I work. The one who is above us all reaches down to the one who needs him. Uh, that's, that's where it comes. Uh, Psalm fifty-one seventeen, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, uh, you will not despise. So what are the kind of sacrifices that really work? <laughs> well, in God's kingdom, it's a broken spirit. It's a broken and contrite heart. He doesn't reject that. And you know why that is? I think because when we're really in pain, you take off all the mask. You quit playing the games. Because you hurt. And it's in that time that God listens. And God responds. When you're able to see clearly that you need Him. Another verse similarly is Isaiah 66 verse 2. This is God talking. He says, this is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. I always love that. So who's the one God esteems? Who's the one that says, this person's got it together? He says, the one who is humble and contrite in spirit. And that last part, I think about this a lot, guys. Who trembles at God's word anymore? And trembles at my word. Hey, I'm guilty too. When do we really stop and tremble before him? This one's from James 3, uh, 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good deeds. In, done in humility that comes... From wisdom. The humility that comes from wisdom. And what is wisdom? It's the application of spiritual knowledge. It's the humility that comes when I'm not only going to talk about what's right, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to follow God. There's a lot that have the lip service, but not as many that have the life service. Right? I, I love that uh, I think it was Peter Lord when they had started a church back in the 70s. They put on the cornerstone at the bottom of the church. It said, uh, um, everything in obeying God, everything we do is, I can't remember now how he put it, is walking with God, but everything else is just religious talk. And, so, you know, 
It's got to be more than just religious talk. But anyway, I got off on that. And then Philippians 2, 5 through 8. What a great section of Scripture. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Or I think King James says of no reputation. Taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. He humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth. And that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Jesus who demonstrated humility, what real humility is like. <laughs> they asked uh, Augustine, the church father that uh, had written so much that um, has been a blessing to the church. He said, should you ask me what's the first thing in religion? I would reply, the first, second, and third thing, all of it. Is humility. That's what Augustine said. You know, I guess as I think about it, we like to argue. Cindy and I, the past, I don't know, we've really been burdened the past months or so. It's one thing to see people outside the church fuss and fight, carry on. I've seen far, and I don't mean Kingsway, I'm talking about the church. I see too many brothers and sisters beating each other up. How are we ever going to reach a world for Christ? We can't even get along. There's not any humility in any of it, folks. I'm not saying you don't stand up for what's right. But you can do it in a way where you don't beat each other to pieces. Someone has said there's three great miracles that we'll discover when we get to heaven. You've probably heard this. The first great miracle is there'll be people up there. You thought, there's no way he's going to be up there. She'd never be up there. There she is. The second great miracle is there won't be people up there. You knew for sure would be up there. And the third great miracle is hopefully I'll be up there. Let's pray. Father, what do you want of us, Lord? I believe for us at Kingsway, to please you, we must seek the King's way. And, and that means being humble. That is the King's way. It's not something we pursue. I'm going to be more humble than you. That's not the idea. The idea is that we just fall in love with you so that we don't have to be the subject of every sentence. It's okay to be second fiddle, but we produce a harmony that comes out of a shared love for Jesus that carries over to a love for each other that extends beyond here and touches a world that needs love, your love. So, Father, as we think about humility as we think about where we are and where we need to be, show us Jesus.
we have his time. We call it response. We call it invitation. What do you want to do in us, Lord? Do we need to come to the altar? Do we need to decide right where we are something you're dealing with us about? Give us uh, a willing heart to do so. Just to come clean before you. I mean, you know it all anyway. When we're willing to do that, it gives the opportunity for revival. Because that's what you, the the one who lives, the Holy One who lives in that high and lofty place, you, you want to revive the spirit of the lowly. You want to revive the heart of the uh, contrite. That, that's what you want to do. So, Father, may we open the door for that as we stand and as we sing. Lord, may you work. In Christ's name we pray.